This episode of Into the Fae contains themes that may not be suitable for some listeners. Please see our complete list of trigger warnings in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. Also, before we begin, this episode contains words from languages that this narrator is not wholly familiar with. Pronunciation will be attempted and failure will result. I would like to apologize in advance. No offense is intended. A young girl walks through the forest, unbothered by the creatures watching her. Hidden beneath the detritus, they wait to see what is about to happen. Her breath clings to the air, her silent footsteps leading her off the known path. Pushing her way through the thicket, she arrives in a clearing. The air is crisp and pulsing with magic. There, in the center, is a ring of mushrooms, plump and perfect. Drawn to their center, she heads across the soft grass and steps inside the ring. Since the beginning of written history, stories have existed of unusual creatures residing in the hidden spaces of our world. The fair folk, the she, the good neighbors, fairy. They exist in our minds and throughout almost every culture. Devas and sprites, pixies and dryads, they come in a variety of sizes and shapes. Humanoid creatures with magical abilities to bewitch and seduce their targets. They are both feared and beloved by many. Come with me as we travel into a world of wonder and magic and discover what makes the Fae, what to do, or more importantly, what not to do when you meet one, and explore the various incarnations from gnomes to kitsune. So sit back, relax, and join me as we enter into the Fae. What are fae? Webster's tells us that the word fae is Scottish for either from or foe. Urban Dictionary says that fae are humanoid creatures that wield great power in magic and the elements. It's a very simple definition for a very complex subject. When most people think of the fae, they rightly reference the fairies, goblins, and gnomes of European folklore. However, They include creatures you may never have heard of, and some you may not expect. The Banshee, Kobold, and Dryad are all considered members of the Fae, as well as the Vaudenoy, Fenadri, and Cluchon, to name a few. Depending on how you look at it, any historically mythical creature can be considered Fae from a certain point of view. The Fae are often viewed as tricksters, not to be trifled with if you know what's good for you, but really they contain multitudes. Some are kind and benevolent, like the elves that help the cobbler create his wares nightly in exchange for simple clothing, and some are pretty nasty, like the redcaps, called such because of their habit of soaking their caps with the blood of their victims. Due to the dual nature of these creatures, there are a few rules you should always follow when dealing with them. First, you never want to be seen as owing the creatures any kind of favor. You never want to say thank you or I'm sorry 
because these will be interpreted as admission of debt. Always, however, express gratitude for what has been given. I appreciate that this is here, or I am delighted to receive this work well. Do not directly accept any gifts unless you have a mutual agreement or relationship with the Fae, or if accepting the gift could be seen as more insulting and therefore more dangerous than not. A gift must always be reciprocated in some way. Some house gnomes, brownies, and other creatures will help out in exchange for their favorite food, usually honey, alcohol, or sweets, and gifts of sorts. But be warned, there are always strings attached when making deals with the Fae, and if you break your word or fail to live up to your end of the bargain, you will find your life suddenly becomes much darker than it once was. One way to navigate this tricky situation is to quickly reciprocate any gift given. Make sure the gift is thoughtful and meaningful for both yourself and the Fae in question. The Fae have different ideas on what is considered valuable, and oftentimes what you think is worthy is considered little more than junk. You must always be wary of offending the creatures. You are allowed to be the first to leave a gift for the creature, just try not to leave anything offensive, such as iron or salt, unless you want to keep them away, and make it clear that you are leaving these gifts for them. The second rule, and one you hear about often, is never give a fairy or any fae creature your true name. Names have power, and knowing one's true name gives a fairy power over that individual. Sometimes a fae can even steal an individual's name, and therefore their identity. The reverse is also true. If you by chance stumble upon the true name of a fae in question, a la Rumblestiltskin style, you will gain power over that fae. Naturally, doing so will earn you the wrath of that creature and any creatures associated with it, and should you lose your grasp on its will, be prepared for dire consequences. Should a fairy or similar creature ask for your name, do not refuse to give one and do not lie. Simply provide a nickname that is similar to your own name. For example, Danny for Daniel, Chris for Christine, Liz for Elizabeth, etc. The fairy are intelligent, but they must be given your true name by you and cannot simply assume that a nickname is being used. Always be careful of what you say to a fairy. Rule 3 goes along with the first rule to a degree. Never eat or drink anything given to you by the fae. Fae food and drink is known to taste wonderful, creating a sense of euphoria in one that eats it. The danger here is that most mortals will lose their taste for normal food after eating it. The food or drink of the normal world will seem unpalatable, and you may risk death by thirst or hunger as you dream about just one more bite of a fake concoction. Refusing a direct offer of food can be tricky because you must also always be polite. The Fae have their own moral code, and some may see the refusal of a gift of food or drink as rude, especially if you happen to be in their domain, which you shouldn't, but we'll get into that later. So how do you politely refuse food and drink from the Fae? You get creative. While as tempting as this offer is, I must sadly decline at the moment, for I do not possess the wherewithal to return such a gesture. It would be one way of getting out of the situation. Whatever way you find to do so, be very careful with your words and do not lie. 
Simply stating that you don't wish to partake at this time might work, but it might also offend. Remember, do not lie. Number four, don't mention newborns. This doesn't mean don't talk about babies or children at all, but do not tell a creature of a recently born child. The Fae have a fascination with human children, and will on occasion switch them out for one of their own. These children are called changelings, and while they take the place of the human, the human child is whisked off to be raised by the fairy realm. We'll discuss changelings in more detail in a later episode, but for now, know that they are generally sickly, and if on the off chance they make it to adolescence, may feel as if they do not belong on this plane. A good way to protect a child from a fae abduction is to hang an iron horseshoe over the child's bed. Most fae also dislike the sound of bells and wind chimes that are made of steel, which is a derivative of iron, so including those in a child's mobile will not only give you a wonderful sound, but also help deter fae. You can also plant marigold, primrose, four-leaves clovers, or St. John's wort outside the window of an infant's room. These are considered dangerous plants to the fae, and most avoid them. Number five, stay out of fairy rings. Fairy rings are rings of mushrooms that show up in clearings, often after rainfall. They are said to be portals to the fae realm, and a mortal that steps inside of one can be trapped. It's best to avoid them and go around them. That being said, if you do find yourself inside a fairy ring, you may hear music. Do not follow the music. And whatever you do, don't join the dance. The Fae love music, and fairy music is especially intoxicating. Their dances more so. If you get caught up in the merriment, you may be lost forever. Some believe this to be one of the many Fae-related causes of disappearances around the world, especially those that occur in forests and other wooded areas. Number six. This one has been mentioned before, but deserves repeating again. When speaking with the Fae, don't lie. In addition, do not provoke them. And it's best to refrain from calling them fairies unless you know for certain it is a fairy you are speaking to. There are many different kinds of Fae, as we will see in this podcast, and the chances that you are talking to an actual fairy are slim, so stick with the all-encompassing phrases such as the fair folk or good neighbor, lest you accidentally offend the creature. Fae do not take kindly to being disrespected, even by accident. When in doubt, simply ask the creature what they would like to be called. This shows that you are being thoughtful of the other's feelings and personal preferences. Funny enough, this also works well with other humans. If you do happen to offend a creature, avoid saying, I'm sorry, and instead say something like, this seems to have offended you, which was not my intent. It may not seem like an apology, but remember, apologizing is admitting that compensation is owed, and you do not want to have to give a gift to a fae creature. If you would like to befriend the fae and perhaps gain the benefits of having them around, then it's good to know what kind of things they actually enjoy. The fae love shiny things. Glittery, sparkly, the kinds of things you might think a magpie or a raven would enjoy. Regardless of the human value, everything from stones and jewelry to paper clips and old pieces of mirror, 
they love to look at and hide away. They don't, however, like human money. They have no use for it and it makes little sense to them. There's a theory that this is why the Tooth Fairy leaves coins and money under children's pillows in exchange for shiny teeth. Their love for all things shiny is also why they love winter so much. It seems like a contradiction because the Fae enjoy warm weather and hate being cold, but all of the sparkly snow and decorations make the winter months their favorite. This would be a great time to build little fairy houses and use tea light candles or birthday candles as a fireplace. Safely, of course, don't light them. We don't want to cause any fires. And provide bits of fleece and wool for blankets. This will give the Fae places to relax, stay warm, and enjoy the wintry wonderland outside. Alternatively, you can also provide Fae-sized clothing and scarves in the winter, as well as alcohol such as mead, wine, and ale, if you're old enough, to help them stay warm and happy outdoors during the cold months. Fae also love cleanliness. They prefer things clean and uncluttered and organized. If your yard is messy or dirty, or your home is cluttered, then the Fae are unlikely to visit. However, you should avoid yard work for as long as possible, and if doing so, give the Fae a day or two notice before starting. This gives them time to clear out any communities and animals they may be caring for. You should also be aware of the wildlife in your area and treat them with respect and kindness. The Fae are always watching, and they will be able to tell what kind of person you are based on how you treat the animals around you. Plant bird and butterfly-friendly flowers and bushes. An abundance of these mean that the Fae are sure to visit. Birdhouses and feeders, as well as wildlife hideaways, can also show that you care for the creatures around you. Making your yard an oasis for the wildlife will in turn make it an oasis for the Fae, as well as give you some amazing things to watch from your window. If you do not have a yard, I suggest a window box with some bird-friendly plants and flowers, maybe a feeder as well. Even the little things get noticed when the Fae are involved. The last way I'm going to talk about to bring the Fae into your life is to make offerings. I would suggest doing this outside unless you would like to bring them into your home. Doing so may cause some of your shinier items to go missing and don't expect anything the Fae may borrow to be returned, although they will generally reciprocate by bringing you something in exchange. Sometimes, to avoid this, you can give them gifts specifically meant for them. Gifts of milk, cream, sugary sweets, wine, mead, ale, fruit, cookies, candies, and fresh bread are always appreciated. Make sure you give them the best parts and don't skimp or get greedy. They will know if you are trying to use throwaway or discarded pieces of treats or food. Also, avoid meat. In general, the type of fae that enjoy meat are not the type of fae you want to attract into your life. You can also make or purchase homemade items like fairy houses or doll-side clothing for the creatures. If you have followed the rules and still find yourself on the wrong end of an angry fae, there are ways to protect yourself. We will go over these in more detail later on, but as a brief introduction, they are weak to pure iron, and if you spill any type of small, numerous object, such as salt, birdseed, or rice, they must stop and count the grains, which gives you time to either get away or defend yourself. 
Bells made of iron or steel are also deterrents, and sprinkling sugar around can distract them due to their intense sweet tooth. Remember, though, once you make an enemy of the Fae, you remain an enemy of the Fae. So do so with the utmost caution and tread carefully. They may be nearby watching. If, against all the above advice, you decide that you want to try and befriend a fae creature, please remember these final words. Whatever is said, and whatever is promised, there are always strings. Listen carefully to the wording of the agreement, and be prepared to be outwitted. The creatures are smarter than you are, and much more clever. Keep the secret of your interactions and respect their privacy, or they may no longer choose to show themselves to you. Remember, all debts will be repaid, one way or another, and if you think that you can outthink them, well, I only hope they decide to take it easy on you. Thank you for listening to Into the Fae. This concludes this week's episode, written and recorded by me, Allie. The music today was The Seely Court by the late Glenn Reisner. Please like us and subscribe on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you would like to contribute to the show, there is a donate link in the show notes, or you can support us on Patreon or Ko-fi. I am looking into some goodies for our Patreon supporters, so if you have any ideas or just want to comment on the show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at IntoFayPodcast, or drop us an email at IntoTheFayPodcasts at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.